0: 2 Samuel chapter 23, there is an obscure story about an ancient warrior named Beniah, and what he did has to rank as one of the most courageous acts recorded in the pages of scripture. It says that Beniah chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed it. Now for most of us, if you're in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, you've got serious problems, probably the last problem you'll ever have. Seems like the wrong place at the wrong time, but just a couple verses later, it says that King David appointed Beniah as his bodyguard, and my thought is this, you know, for most of us seems like a bad situation, but if you're applying for a bodyguard position, I kill the lion in a pit on a snowy day, It looks awfully good on your resume. I think there was a moment where Benaiah had to make a choice. Am I going to run away from what I'm afraid of? Or am I going to chase after that line? And it's those moments and those decisions that determine our destiny. Not long ago, I came across an interesting study done by a couple of social psychologists. And they did a study on regret, and they found it uh over the course of our lifetime there are two different kinds of regrets. One is a an action regret, it's doing something that you wish you hadn't done. And the other is an inaction regret, it's not doing something that you wish you had. And what they found is that over the course of an average week, most of us regret actions. But when people look back over their life as a whole, they regret inactions more than actions, 84 to 16 percent. In other words, our greatest regret at the end of our lives will be those lines that we did not chase. And if if we don't have the courage to face our fears, then in a sense we forfeit whatever God might want to do in our future. And so here's my question. Are you living your life in a way that is worth telling stories about? Which brings me back to Beniah. You know, Benaiah could have run away. But he had the courage to chase after that line, and because he had the courage to chase after that line, imagine the bedtime stories that he could tell his children. I can hear his kids at night just saying, Dad, tell us that lion chasing story one more time. We owe it to our kids to live our lives in a way that is worth telling stories about, but even more importantly than that, we owe it to God. To live our lives in a way that is worth telling stories about and He wants to tell His story through us. And so here's a final thought. There's this old aphorism, no guts, no glory. When we don't have the guts to step out in faith, then we rob God of the glory that rightfully belongs to Him. And so I don't know what lines God is calling you to chase, but the next time you cross paths with a line, Listen, don't run away from what you're afraid of. Chase the lion.
1: Yeah, that's good. A number of years back, we began the new year with Mark Batterson's book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And to this day, it ranks as one of our most popular sermon series we've ever done here at Christian Life. And Mark has a brand new book out that we're going to begin the new year with called All In. All In. About going all in with God, that one decision can change your life forever, and uh, you're you're not going to want to miss it. And we're all going to want to go all in with God. And I'm going to tell you this too, that when you walk in next Sunday morning, you might be shocked with what you see up front. But we're going all in with God. It's going to be great, and uh, so we're going to do that on the weekends, and then on Wednesday nights. Uh, I, am, I am so excited because along with prayer and worship, we're going we're gonna to be studying about the Holy Spirit. John Bevere has written a brand new book on the Holy Spirit. Remember, we did his series Draw Near a number of years ago and how powerful that was. He has a brand new book. It's one of the most powerful books on the Holy Spirit I've ever read. And I want to tell you this too that your relationship with the Holy Spirit is probably the most important relationship you can have at the beginning of a new year. And so I'm going to encourage you to take that time out. The teachings are about 20 minutes, and obviously we'll we'll pray and worship as well. But Wednesday nights, uh, we're going to be studying about the Holy Spirit. And so you won't want to miss that. We were able to pick up Mark's book at about half price of what you'd pay at the local Christian bookstore. If you want a copy, you can get it. That'll be a a help for you. Um, For the Holy Spirit book, we have a lot of handouts because we bought the curriculum for that. We'll have those for you on Wednesday nights. If you want to pick up the book, you're more than welcome to at your local Christian bookstore. But, uh, But otherwise, we'll have a lot of handouts for you. But I want you just to make a commitment in a brand new year to start the new year with God. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year. Um, I'm I'm uh, recovering from surgery. In fact, on Friday I had a um, uh, a um, a uh, thing where they had to numb me from here down. And uh, so I had to remind myself to breathe and swallow and do things like that that, that you normally do. And uh, so I've uh, been, been a little bit out of it. And I asked Pastor Fred to end this year. And I want to tell you, he, he shared with me what he was going to uh, preach earlier in the week. And, and, um, and then uh, got to hear it last night. This is powerful. You do need your, uh, you do need your bulletins. So if you could get your bulletins out, because he's going to use the Bible blog. So if you get your bulletins out and your Bibles out, would you welcome Pastor Fred as he comes to minister the word this morning?
2: Thanks for watching. Good, morning. Good morning. morning. Today is a special day. It's the 29th of December, and uh, about uh, 40 years ago, this afternoon, around four o'clock, Lynn and I will have been married 40 years. The uh, without question the greatest Christmas gift that God has ever given to me. I've had some that were close, but nothing nothing like that. So, so uh, and then uh, we want to congratulate Jim and Sue. Uh, I'm sorry, Jim and Diane Hammonds. There we go. Uh, Thirty four years of marriage last Sunday. So uh, December was a good month. <clears throat> And then I found out this morning that uh, Amber and Fuso could have celebrated her birthday as a three-year-old at our wedding. She could have been our flower girl. So uh, now you know how old she is. And uh, you're very welcome, Amber. So to make, to make amends, um, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Amber, happy birthday to you. All right. This morning I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. We're going to spend some time there for a few moments and then Matthew chapter 28, then Acts chapter 1, and then ultimately Matthew chapter 25. So we're going to do a little bit of roaming around the Bible. And uh, I have entitled this message this morning, Are You Well? Now, this really has nothing to do with Pastor Darrell's recent illness. This has to do with three phrases that I want to leave with you this morning Are you well planned? Are you well prepared? And will you hear, well done. Well planned, well prepared, and will you hear, well done. So I want to challenge you with some of that. But uh, just before we do that, let me share something really quickly. This is a, these are two entries in uh, the diaries of a husband and a wife. And uh, I want to assure you that Linda is nothing like this woman. And uh, I am totally like this man. Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. We'd made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late but made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV, continued to uh, seem to be distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt he was distracted. His thoughts were somewhere else. I fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. My life is a disaster. His diary. The bolt motor won't start, and I can't figure out why. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's unbelievable. (sighs) So... Honey, don't worry, it's always something simple. So, <laughs> In talking about being prepared, we're, you know, we're in this horrible time of year called winter, and uh, the, uh, I, I came across this. It says the Transportation Safety Council suggests that anyone traveling in the current icy conditions make sure that they have the following items with them. A shovel, blankets, sleeping, blankets or sleeping bag, extra clothing including hat and gloves, 24 hours worth of food, deicer, rock salt, flashlight with spare batteries, road flares, a reflective triangle, empty gas can, first aid kit, and booster cables. Boy, did I feel stupid getting on the CTA bus this morning. <laughs> Some people just need explanation. You know, they need to be straightened out. I'm sorry, but it's just how it works, so... As I had the opportunity to uh, study and prepare and think about how to end this particular year, uh, the Lord, it's like he just really impressed on me that resolutions are a waste of time. Just don't bother. Just forget that. Because resolutions really don't do anything. They don't, we don't go anywhere with them. Instead, the Lord just said, what I want you to do is make plans, Plan, plan your life, plan your plan things out, make some plans for activities and adventures and excitement and trips, and begin to think what it is that you want to see accomplished next year, 2014. We have to make plans. Because once that plan has been established, that's when preparation begins. That's when we start to prepare, we start putting money aside, we start... Uh, making arrangements for maybe our house to be taken care of, or kids, or... We make preparation. We begin to prepare. And then that day will come when we act upon it. Linda and I were engaged uh, about two years prior to our getting married, so that would have been 1971. And from that moment on, we made a plan. We had a plan. We were going to get married. She want to get married in December, and as far as men are concerned, who cares? You know whatever, whatever you'd like. Uh, and so the plan was to get married the 29th of December. The plan was set. Then preparation began. I was in school, and Linda was uh, you know working and living in Chicago, and I was still in Ann Arbor, Michigan. and so most of the planning or most of the preparation work laid came to her and her mom. and so uh, I just got contacted every so often. Uh, just give me the. What time do I need to be there? I'll be there. So that was pretty much my part of the wedding. Um, But the preparations came into being, and then about 3 o'clock on the 29th of December, 1973, the plan and the preparation went into action. And the doors of that church opened up, the back doors, and Linda stepped out with her father. And I'm just thankful I didn't pass out because I saw this vision of absolute beauty coming down, the sta- coming down the aisle. And the thought in my mind was, this is going to be all mine. <laughs> She's going to be all mine. And prior to that, a couple years before that, I, I had had a conversation with God, and I said, God, I'm tired of trying to find the right woman you pick. And he did. And she sits here today. Greatest gift God ever gave me. But it was because of a plan and some preparation and action that took place. Now I want to look at these passages of scripture for just a moment. And I want to show you how God works and Christ works in our lives. And what his expectations are of us for this coming year. Chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's plan for you is to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And what does God want in in return for that? What's the preparation process? He wants you to trust him and be grateful. God wants you to trust him and be thankful. The preparation process is the trusting and the gratitude. And how do I do that? I talk to God. I communicate with him. I speak to him. Sometimes it's it's just a short little in passing. Oh God, don't let that policeman pull me over. Uh, Sometimes it's, you know... Lord, I just thank and praise you. You know, this is an awesome day. You're a great God, and so on and so forth. So it may, it's going to vary. It'll vary. But to communicate with God is part of the preparation process. But you have to plan that. You can't just, you know, you can't just walk through life and think, well, you know, you know, life will take care of itself. Absolutely not. Doris Day did not have good theology when she sang, que sera, Sarah, whatever will be, will be baloney if you did that you'd never get out of bed you just lay there and wait for whatever you know I just lay here and wait for life well eventually they will come and get you but they're called funeral directors that's ridiculous for the Christian we need to understand that that we have been called it's called the plan of salvation God has a plan for you Christ came with a very specific plan To die on the cross, to pay for your sins, and to now afford you the opportunity to accept his death on the cross as payment for your sins, and now move into this world, uh, into this realm of preparation, where you begin to live your life out in such a way that you are continuously trusting God, praising him, thanking him, and stepping out in faith, acting on what it is that God wants you to do. Next passage, Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, familiar passage. Jesus, final words to his disciples at the end of Matthew. He says to them, all authority, I'm in verse, middle of verse 18, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the plan. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, That's the plan. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That's that preparation and word of encouragement. Jesus is with us continuously. So what am I supposed to be doing here? What should my plan be? How can I make a disciple? How do I do that? Become worthy to be followed. Don't lead people astray. That's ridiculous. You know. There are so many people out there. The enemy is so committed to leading people down a path of destruction. We have the word of hope. We have a message that is so powerful and so life-changing and so transformative. And we, but we have to plan how we're going to approach this. I think I've read the story a couple of times about the little boy that would go out and pass out tracks, and he uh, ended up one one rainy day. Out, he had his last track, and he knocked on the door of uh, this lady, and, took a long time for her to finally come to the door. She was about to commit suicide up in the attic, and she came and answered the door. This little boy had a plan. The plan was, I'm going to pass out tracks. Bless God, I don't care what the weather is. This is my plan. I'm going to win somebody to Jesus today. He had a plan. The preparation was there. He put on his coat. He got ready. He had the tracks in his hand, and he went out and began to do it, to do it. As a result, this woman's life was transformed. She ended up in church shared her testimony how she'd gotten how she accepted Christ and her life was saved. That's what I'm talking about. That we begin to plan. We intentionally begin to make some decisions about how we're going to live our lives next year. Please get out of the survival mode. Get out of the I, well bless God I just hope I can make it one more day. That's not a prayer. That's a wine. Want some cheese with that? It's wine. That's whining. Oh God! I just oh. I hope I make it. Oh, I hope I can make it. <laughs> I You know, God. I think gets sick of hearing those things. You know what impresses God? Plans. Crazy plans. Go to God and say, God, I'm going to win hundred people to Christ this year. Really. You've only, you've, only won, you've only won one person in the last 20 years. So I'm going to do 100 this year. It's a big plan, God. It's, you know, see what we can do. But it's a plan. It's a decision. It's where you begin to, to create a list, and you begin to start thinking about neighbors and friends and loved ones and how you are going to approach them. And I'm not talking about, you better turn or burn. You know that. You're going to split hell wide open if you don't change your life. I'm just kidding now. Pat is not that kind of a person. I don't think but it's not about it's a plan to draw them in to the family of God a plan and then the preparations that's where the Holy Spirit runs into your life and goes yes you have a plan now I can work with you now I can begin to do some things in your life we have this amazing prison ministry I thank God for Chris and Dawn they came up with a plan They made a decision. There was a plan. Once that plan kicked in, he said, I'm going to go into prisons. There was some preparation that needed to be done, right? Yeah, you can't just show up. Hey, I'm here to win all the people in this prison to Jesus. Hey, get out of here. Doesn't work like that. There are a lot of hoops and a lot of things that have to be taken care of before you can get into that. But once you're there, things happen. Things begin to happen. You begin to step into action. You activate the plan and the preparation. And now, I guarantee many of us, I believe all of us in this building, someday will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're going to hear it. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his disciples one last time, one final word. Middle of verse 4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem... But wait for the gift my father promised, the plan, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The plan is in place. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples had a plan, too. Yeah, Jesus, if you restore everything back the way it should be, and you're the king, and we're the, like, you know, assistant kings, this could be awesome. And Jesus' response, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The plan, Holy Spirit's coming, the preparation, he's going to fill you with power so that you'll be able to act on that preparation and become witnesses around the world we are sitting here today because the disciples acted on the plan and the preparations that were given them otherwise we there'd be no thing there'd be no church let me challenge you with something I'm going to ask you next year to stop going to church do not go to church anymore I'll probably get fired, but that's okay. I want you to be the church. Stop going to church. You will not hear God say someday when you stand before him, well done, thou good and faithful spectator. You watched and listened to many sermons. Come in now and enter into the joy of the Lord. You're not going to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful sitter. You have sat faithfully. Now you'll be able to sit here in heaven. No! What does it say? Well done! Well done! Be the church! Be the church! Here's how I want you to do that. When you walk through these doors every Sunday, I want you to, be com- I want you to come to church. I want you to be the church. I'm going to use that phrase and mess myself up here. But as you come to this building <laughs> as the church... I want you to walk through the doors with a plan to come and sit through the message without snoring is not a plan that is not a plan a plan is I'm going to church today and I'm going to learn a new chorus I'm gonna learn some new words I'm gonna learn some new music how many of you know every song that Leanne knows God doesn't even know every song Leanne knows. (laughs) So that means when you come through the doors, the plan is I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to listen to the message and I'm going to, my plan is to write it down, take some notes, and put it into practice somehow, some way, when I walk out of the doors today. Number two, maybe number three, whatever number it is. I am going to meet somebody that I don't know when I go to church. Amen. How many of you know everybody in this room? You know their names. If you raise your hand, I'm going to make you prove it. <laughs> now, I, I could probably get really pretty close to just about everybody that's here, uh, but I'm not going to try that because my brain will overload and I'll be hurt. But if you'll come through the doors with the plan, God, today, I want to meet somebody that I don't know. Even if all you do is learn their first name, so that you can say hi to them the following Sunday. So that you get to know those that you come to church with, that you be the church with, that you will get to know who they are. So that when you get to heaven, you won't need to wear a name tag. Because nobody's going to know who you are. Who are you again? Where's your name tag? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying here? So that you're coming to church with a plan, with an attitude, I'm going there to accomplish something for the kingdom. To listen to a sermon and throw some money in an offering plate and walk out the door is not Christianity. It is not what Jesus died for. He died for us to understand the plan, to be prepared by the Holy Spirit, and then do it! Do it! Do it! The last passage that I want to look at is is an interesting story that Jesus tells. It's the parable of the talents. And he says... Again, the kingdom, it, the kingdom, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents uh, of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. That is a very key phrase there, according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents... "'Gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, "'dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. "'After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. "'The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. "'Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. "'See, I have gained five more.' "'His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful with a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Come and share your master's happiness.' The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I'm stopping there because I don't want to get into the issue with the uh, other servant who buried it. Basically, I have a feeling he buried it and then periodically would go back to make sure it was still buried. And that was his... That was the way that he was going to repay his master with nothing. Not a thing. The other two believed something about their master. They said, this master has entrusted us, and so therefore we are going to restore that, return that trust by committing ourselves to his success. And so they went out and took a risk. You see, Jesus wants you to take a risk. He's not afraid of you taking risks. He wants you to step out in faith and try some things. When, when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee going through the storm and Jesus came walking on the water, and all of a sudden Jesus sees Peter getting out of the boat. Jesus did not respond by going, no, 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 Peter, are you crazy? This is water. Get back in the boat. Get back in there, you nut. No, what did he tell him? Come on. Come. And Peter was totally fine with that risk. He was a little outside the box. The plan was, you know, to stay afloat. But then he started to look around and go, whoa, what am I doing here? And that's when he began to sink. He stopped trusting Jesus for a split second, and that's when the sinking began. But he took a risk. Where the other disciples? Oh, they're the brilliant ones. They stayed in the boat. No, that's not how the story goes. Okay. So you see, it's what is your plan? I gave you a plan and preparation and so on for coming coming into the church building. Now, what, what do I do when I get out of here? Well, for most of us, our plan is, what restaurant are we going to, or hope the roast isn't burned when we get home? See, there has to be a bigger plan than that. There's got to be something more to it than that. Because, you see, we every day we plan something. We're planning something every day. And God is is just just driving this thing home to me. What's my plan for meeting my neighbors? What's my plan for speaking to people at work? Yeah, I have a plan to try to lead my entire, the entire staff here to Jesus this year. I'm kidding. That's the plan. And their plan is to get me saved this year. So, But I got saved four times in the play. I'm thinking I'm pretty good. At least Victor did, anyway. But you see, what is my plan? What is my plan? Because the moment you let God know the plan, the Holy Spirit will rush in and empower the preparation. He will prepare you. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will give you wisdom. And you we'll be able to step out in faith and make it happen. You say, well, Pastor Fred, I'm not a trained theologian. So what? (laughs) So what? The thief on the cross wasn't trained either. He trusted Jesus. And as a result, ended up in paradise. He He even spoke to the other thief. He said, what's wrong with you? This man has done nothing wrong. Don't you get it? He witnessed from the cross to the other thief. Well, that's different. No, it's not. It's just people. People that know Christ. People that know Jesus. The challenge is planning requires visions, dreams, goals, and God works through all of these. Being well prepared Gathering your resources, your talents, people to work with. I was so I was so impressed on Christmas Eve uh, when uh, Reagan and Claire came up to play and did this amazing job. You know, when I first got up there I'm thinking, well this will be cute, I hope. <laughs> See, we immediately we immediately jumped to conclusions. We thought, oh this should be well, whatever. We all of a sudden we're all we're all like, America's got talent judges. <laughs> well, who yeah, right, whatever. Get up there and you do better. But they they had a plan. Somewhere down the line, the two of them got together and said, Hey, let's play for Christmas let's sing and play for Christmas Eve. They had a plan. They got their resources together. Player pulled out that. Never disappearing ukulele. (laughs) And they got together and they practiced. They went through the preparation process. And then they stepped out in faith, got on that platform, and sang and blessed our socks off, which I'm not sure what that means exactly, but it sounds good. (laughs) They were such a blessing. Girls, you were absolutely amazing. And you see, the unfortunate thing is as Christians, we have a tendency to see people share their talents or abilities and so on. And the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, oh, I could never do that. How do you know that? How do you know that? Yesterday we had a... Little, an afternoon of fun with two of our granddaughters and went bowling, and my deal is if you get a strike, Pat, Opa gives you a buck, you get a dollar for every strike. Thank God they're not good bowlers. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, Ariana stand, is standing there going, I'll never get a strike, I'll just never get a strike. And I go, how do you know that? Oh, I just know I'll never get a strike, I'll never get a strike. Okay, sure enough, the next ball up, what does she do? She gets a strike. I said, I thought you were never going to do that. Way to go. Here's your dollar. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, stop talking like that. Don't tell God what you cannot do. Stop telling God what you cannot do. Because he'll help you do it even if you can't. Moses stuttered, led the people of Israel. Joseph was was an amazing piece of work, and God used him tremendously. Paul killed Christians. Somebody would say, Hey, Paul, someday you're going to write most of the New Testament and be an amazing Christian leader. Excuse me? I hate Christians, I want them dead. Uh, and then God said, change of plans, Paul. (laughs) See, don't tell God what you cannot do. He doesn't listen to that stuff. Because then the final reward is hearing those amazing words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. As I close today, I want you to turn to your bulletin. And follow along as I read the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. Now, as I was putting this message together, I came across this in my, some of my notes, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to close the service with this. I had no idea it was in the bulletin. So, again, God has this amazing sense of humor. <laughs> he works things out. But I want you to follow along. In fact, I want you to read it with me. Okay? Keep up, because I like to read fast. So... Here we go, ready? Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Grab life by the mane. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risks. Expand your horizons. Accumulate experiences. Consider the lilies. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze a new trail. Criticize by creating. Worry less about what people think and more about what God thinks. Don't try to be who you're not. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Life is so amazing. When we take the God-given creativity in our hearts and minds and begin to come up with a plan... Then God, as we begin to work that plan, and the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to anoint us and prepare us and help us to function, that we are then able to step forward, act it out, act upon it, be the church as we should be, and then hear those words someday, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you
3: Thank you, Pastor Fred. What a great message for ending the year and beginning anew. And uh, let's put it in practice. Amen. What he said, we hear it and put it in practice. Thank you, Pastor Fred, for uh, preaching. Usually, every Christmas, uh, Pastor o has uh, Pastor Fred preach a message, and I preach a message. I preached last week, as you know, on the glory of God. And uh, I had so many people Saturday night come up six or eight of them, plus Sunday after service, and ask if uh, they could get a copy of that message. They wanted to settle more. Couldn't get as much as I said. So I took my notes and kind of reworked them and made a kind of a manuscript. And uh, I've got a couple of copies up here, but on the table out there, for anybody who wanted a copy of that, so I go over to the scriptures and ask me for that. Or if you didn't ask me and still want one, there's a number of copies on the information table there in the lobby. Help yourself and... Uh, be a blessing. I uh, had a uh, email this week from India because we were there with one of the brothers speaking on the glory of God. And uh, so I even emailed a copy to him. So he wrote back and said, wow, I really appreciate receiving that. So that's good. I'm, aren't you glad you're in church on the last Sunday of the year? And uh, this coming week, New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve is Tuesday night. As you know, we have service Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, every New Year's Eve, this year it's on Tuesday, from 11 to 12 o'clock at midnight. The idea is the last thing we do, the end of the old year, we're in the presence of God. I realize that's past some people's bedtime, but uh, once a year, it wouldn't hurt. And then the first thing, the new year, we have communion right at midnight. So we are in the presence of God at the end of the year, and we're at the presence of God as we start a new year. I think that's the way it should be. First, he is first. And I've done that every year since I've been pastoring here, and I think it's really a wonderful thing. So we invite you, come at 11 o'clock, fellowship first, and then uh, Liam will have some worship. And uh, we'll, Pastor Darrell has, has a message he wants to present to us. And then at midnight, about a few minutes before midnight, we will have communion and partake of the Lord's Supper and uh, be in fellowship with him. Bury everything that's past. He said, examine ourselves when we do that. Be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Leave everything behind. Those things he mentioned that uh, we don't want to remember, take with us, and then start a new year with God. We had announced, and even last night, we announced that the Korean church is going to join us, Church of Bethlehem, for that service. And uh, they had invited us to a dinner, but uh, some of our staff got a text this morning saying that they have canceled the Korean dinner so don't come at 10 o'clock expecting to eat we're not going to do that we're just going to come in fellowship and start service with worship right at 11 Pastor Darrell's message and then in with communion we just stand as we um, have the blessing of the Lord and uh, I think every year every Sunday uh, this year we've done this and uh, we're going to do it this morning may the Lord bless you and protect you May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said amen. amen. Father, we just pray that you will give us peace as we leave this year and go into a new year. Lord, we want your favor, your smile to be upon us. I pray that you'll put a wall of protection around us and blessing. Be with us, Lord, as we go forth even this day. Thank you for what we've heard. Help us to plan for the future, to prepare for that. Lord, we want to stand in your presence and hear well done. Thank you for the message this morning, message last week on glory. Let your anointing go with us that we might come back and start a new year in your presence. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. If you want some of these papers, they're out on the uh, information desk. Help yourself to the message last week if you want to study it more.